Thanks. I became a believer in uh, 1974, uh, 22 years old. And uh, when you get old enough where you feel like you can see the other bookend on your life, you know, the, the far one, or, or maybe even you get long enough and you've, and you've uh, outlived some people you've known or Christians that you've known for a real long time. And you, 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 you get to feeling like uh, you can, with some people, you can kind of see the whole body of work. You know, you can see the, the thing as a whole uh, in a way you maybe haven't before earlier times in your life. I've, I've uh, observed, I've, I've, in some cases I've known, and in cases I've been friends with and, and, and loved, really over the years, hundreds, and, and I'd, I'm sure even thousands of of fellow Christians, and some of those I've known as a pastor, you know, so in a way, I, not in a way, I really am invested in the spiritual lives of others, you know, the Bible says we'll give an account, elders, leaders will give an account, you know, they're, they're, they're people that you've, their soul, part of your soul care has been entrusted to them, and uh, and that invites you to think of it that way too, of think of someone's whole whole life, I've, I, I think on the whole, Looking back over the years, and I don't exempt myself from this. I, I'm not a not uh, just looking on from an objective place. I'm seeing my own life as well. I, I think I think Christians uh, get stuck. You know, where do they get stuck in their Christian in their spiritual growth, where they they don't grow, where they put a ceiling on their on their relationship with Christ, the depth, the intimacy of it, and the, or the living out the Full, living abundantly, like Jesus says, you know, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. You know, it kind of put a ceiling on that or, or stunt our growth. And it seems to me that they tend to get stuck uh, in the same kinds of places. You know, the, they have the same obstacles. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. The human condition is the human condition. You know, First uh, Corinthians 10 says, No temptation has overtaken us, but such as is common to man. And you know what? No succumbing to temptation is, uh, is, is uncommon either. You know, there's nothing special about the places where we fall short. And we tend to, to do it in the same uh, kinds of, of places. So what I want to propose today is, is five things Christians typically or commonly don't want to do to get the life they want. They want the life, but there are these, these five things they don't want to do. And if any of them hit home, it's, it's not because I know you and I'm after you. It's, it's not it at all. Um, it's because they're just so common and just so typical. And, and, I, and most of them, you know, over the course of these years, I've not only seen them, I've lived them. You know, there have been times when they, you know, there's these, these obstacles, these places we get stuck and so let me let me jump in. The, the first thing I think Christians don't want to do to get the life they want is have a, a consistent devotional time with the Lord. And by devotional time, let me explain that. I went to Bible college. I never heard the word devotion. I didn't know what it was. I mean, I was doing it, but I didn't know it. I hadn't heard the word. But what, what I mean by that is have a private and personal time spent before the Lord. 
uh, almost at least most of the time. There ought to be a Bible involved because it's God's word to us. You know, this is God's, this is God's self-revelation to us. And, and God's self-revelation is not confined to the Scripture. He can speak to whomever, however He wants, of course. But the Scripture is the way that we can hear what the Lord has to say to us anytime we want. You know, this is what God has said to us. And, and the, so the, the Bible should be, we, you know, we just pick it up and, and read it. And this is God's word to us. That's the beginning of, of this uh, interaction with God. And I've used in many devotional books over the years, you know, and I still have, you know, I still do. But they, they begin with the scripture, right? They have a, a passage of scripture. They begin with what God has said and then follow that with a meditation or a homily on it. Uh, but... But it starts with this, and then the second part of it, broadly, is our response. We we respond back to what God has said. We we respond um, to how the Holy Spirit leads us, convicts us, and that's the second time of it. And those two things make up private time devotion before the Lord. I mean, so what do we? So we read we read God's word to us, and then what? What's our response? Do we thank Him for something? That's the case a lot of times. Do we? Re- is it? It was what we've read. Call us to repent of something. Um, should we pledge our obedience to something? We, we we ask his help in doing what he's commanded. Uh, ask his help in becoming the person he's calling us, shaping us to be. But there's the there's the response, and this is really, this is really one of the main things that that makes this thing we're doing together here, and we're each of us doing, or else you probably wouldn't be here, uh, a relationship with God and not just a religion about God or about something else. This is, the, this is a huge part of the relational part. And so this, that's what I mean by devotion, a, a consistent time where you, between Sundays, between Sundays, of uh, you and the Lord, you and the Lord. And I said consistent rather than daily for a reason. Strong arguments can be made for daily. Strong arguments can be made for that this is every day. You, you can make the arguments that uh, Scripture, our daily bread, you know, the, it's, our, it's our, we ask our daily bread and, and, the, and the Scripture time with God feeds our, our soul. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How, how often do you need to eat? You know, so it's, it's, you can make a case for daily. Like newborn babes, long for the pure spiritual milk or the milk of the word, depending on your translation. How often do babies need to be fed? You know, it's even more than daily. More than daily. Long, so you can make a case, but I didn't say daily here. I said consistent uh, for a couple of reasons. One, one is that I have seen daily, you know, the daily thing, become uh, legalistic and rote in some cases. Um, and the legalism saps the life out of it. You say that I got to do this today and, you know, this and get it done. I, I, I was early, you know, kind of early in my Christian life, as, but this was Bible college, so I was a few years in. I remember seeing a, a fellow student late for class, 
Busy, busy, busy. A lot of things going. Late for class. Oh, man, I haven't read my Bible today. Just open it up at random. And I rejoice a little greatly. Not like you should concern me. All right. Done. You can check it off. <laughs> I read my Bible today. Well, it turns to devotional. I mean, you may as well not have done it, right? May as well not have done it at all. Uh, in my own, here's, here's another reason. In, in my own case, I really, for a long, long time now, well, since I've been a pastor anyway, never have that kind of private, personal, devotional time on a Sunday. And I don't think it's hurt me spiritually. In terms of my personal face-to-face -face interaction with the Lord, I mean, Sunday, here's why I don't think it's hurt me. Sunday, a lot of times, Sunday is like the high point of my week in terms of feeling close to the Lord or, you know, or, or uh, uh, serving the Lord. You know, the, the, the relationship is, feels very strong on a Sunday, but just about everything I do that pertains to the Lord on a Sunday uh, is corporate. I mean, I... I, you know, I'll pray. I might pray in the car on the way here. You know, Lord, give us a good Sunday or some concern or something. Or on the way home, something that happened at church might be a... But it's not, you know, it's, it's not like sitting down with the Bible and going to read something that's unrelated to what I'm going to teach or preach. It's not about preparation. It's about spending time with the Lord and have that, have that time. I'm, it, that's not the way it is. If I'm singing to the Lord on Sunday, I'm probably singing with you. <laughs> If I'm uh, praying uh, to the Lord on Sunday, I'm probably praying with you or, or others. Uh, that's, and when I'm serving the Lord, I'm serving you and before you and with you. There's nothing private about any of it. And I, you know, just the way my Sundays go, I don't think I could make myself think seriously about something that... I, I'm not going to be teaching in a few minutes or, you know, something like that. I, I think it would make me crazy to try to slow down <laughs> to, to have that private, personal time. So I, so I say consistent, not daily. What did you say about Jesus? Jesus would often, you see those words? Jesus would often, he would often, sometimes it's at night, sometimes in the morning, you know, he would often, uh, go out to the mountain and pray. You spend time with God in secret. So I, so I hope it's not too self-serving to say that consistent is a better word than daily. You know that, but uh, and by the way, I'm not counting once in a blue moon as consistent. <laughs> I mean, part of the fabric of life, woven into it. And, and as you as you pursue the practice. You'll find your own ways. You'll find your own rhythms. I, I have a couple of quirks. I'll mention them just to, if, in case it's helpful, in case it's helpful to somebody. Uh, my, I, I don't think this is very usual, but, but I find that my focus is, is greatly aided by a pen in my hand and the paper to write on, and, uh, and it's, and frankly, it's hindered when I don't have that. Because for me, writing down my response to God, it, it, it keeps me on track, it keeps me focused, it keeps my mind from wandering, it keeps me, frankly, 
keeps me from nodding off. You know, like I can close my eyes and pray, and the next thing you know, I'm not praying, but I'm thinking about something else. Next thing you know, I'm waking up. <laughs> wow. But fo- you know, it focuses me to write it, write it down, and that and that doesn't happen. But you'll find out. You know, if you, if you do this, if you do this, you'll find out how it works for you well. I'll tell you another thing. This might be you too, and I tell it just to be helpful. I have noticed for me, there's like a 15 to 20 minute threshold sometimes, less than now than it used to be. But uh, so what I mean is that the first minutes one through 15 could be hard. Where I'm, I won't, I'm very tempted to think about the, what I've got to do that day and not what I'm reading or... Or um, my mind wants to wander off to someone. You know, it might wander off to the golf course. It might wander. I might be, you know, you want to think about all this, you know, think about the ball game or something. You know, think about all these other things or competing things coming in where the first 15 minutes, 10, 15, 20 minutes can be a kind of a mental dogfight with my thoughts trying to wander off. But then if there's a threshold, you know, 15, 20 minutes, the, it, it can, the 20 minutes to an hour maybe, I'm not saying this is always an hour with me, but the, it, they can go fast, and it's not hard. It's a, uh, minutes 1 through 15 can feel like a forced discipline. Minutes 16 through 60, uh, I got a conversation with a good friend, and the time flies. Uh, so it, maybe that's just me, but if it's you, it's like, like I can't, you know, I've tried this, I try to do it, but I, you know, it's that first 5, 10, 15 minutes. It's just a fight for me all the time. Now, let me encourage you. There's a threshold. <laughs> there's a wall to break through, even if you never have. There's a, there's a, if you're like that, there's a, there's a, a breakthrough you can have. Um, you, you might have that consistent devotional time, but I'm just telling you, well, you know this, many Christians do not. And almost all of those are not confident about that they're doing what they should be doing in this area. They feel, I should be doing more. Well, you're right. You're right. And it, it, does, it, it does affect, I mean, this is really the stuff of the relationship aspect of, of your relationship with the Lord. It's, uh, uh, it, it, it's important. And you do leave something on the table when you don't do it. There is something there that you're missing in terms of uh, knowing the Lord, uh, knowing Him well, uh, knowing Him as a person and not just simply uh, even an object of, uh, of worship, which He should be, of course. And we, you know, I say that things we don't want to do. Well, in the moment we don't, that why we don't do it, we don't want to do it. In the moment, the computer's more attractive or the TV's more attractive or getting to our to-do list for the day is more attractive. But, uh, but I, and I'll encourage you here too. I didn't mean to take this much time on this. I hope it, I'll, I'll quit when I'm supposed to quit, I, I promise. <laughs> whether, I get, whether we get to five or not. You'll, if you, if you uh, press on in this, 
if you do what you might not want to do in the moment because it gets you to the life that you want, you know, the intimacy with Christ you want, the real relationship with Christ you want, you'll, you'll find your want-tos changing. <laughs> and you'll, you'll really look forward to that time. And when it doesn't happen, you'll really miss it. So what might feel like are just a straight-out discipline now <laughs> that you just have to do, it's not going to stay that way. It won't stay that way. Psalm 16 says, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he's at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You can get to where those verses capture exactly what your time with the Lord is like. Um, your feelings about spending time with the Lord. But you, have to, you might have to do what you don't want to do <laughs> to get what you want there. Well, uh, move on. Second, second thing. Christians sometimes don't want to do to get their life to want is have a consistent involvement in the life of a church. Now, I'm not, I hope I don't spend much time here because I'm not going to flog the faithful. I, I hate catching myself flogging the faithful, right? <laughs> it's, uh, you're here, you're here. But over the years, I, I've observed that a lack of involvement in the life of the church is a, is a very common feature of a good many professing Christians' lives so that they... And, and that's, a part of their, that's a feature of their way of living in Christian life that never serves their own spiritual interests well at all. Never. Never. It, it's, been a problem, it's been a problem a long time. A long time. It's not anything modern. Here's Hebrews 10. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So, in other words, is a problem in the first century. <laughs> and it's, it's Christian, there were Christians like this in the first century, and there's in the 21st, same thing. Uh, and, what's, and why doesn't it serve them well? Well, in the context of Hebrews 10, just in that context, what's missing when someone you know, holds himself aloof from the church gathered, it's the encouragement of faith and obedience that they're missing out on and that they're depriving others of. That's in the context. But, you know, we, can know, we know from the Scripture, it doesn't stop there. That's not the only thing. I, I'm going to guess that there, I have not figured it up. I don't even know how you could. It would be too big of a project. But I'm going to guess that approximately one half of the New Testament commands to Christians cannot be obeyed outside the context of regular involvement, you know, involvement in the life of a body of believers. I'm going to guess half. Now, let me rattle some off. I won't give the references. But they'll be familiar to you. Be at peace with one another. Don't grumble against one another. Be of the same mind with one another. Accept one another. Don't provoke any, uh, one another or envy one another. Be kind toward one another. Forgive one another. Bear with one another. Seek good for one another. Confess your sins to one another. Serve one another. Be devoted to one another. Give preference to one another in honor. Regard one another as more important than yourselves. Be subject to one another. Clothe yourselves in humility toward one another. Bear one another's burdens. Speak the truth to one another. Be hospitable to one another. 
pray for one another, and of course love for one another about 11 times, 11, 12, 13 times in the New Testament. How do you do any of that while holding yourself aloof? Uh, not showing up. And it's not just the one another's. Those are, you know, those are a lot of the one another's, not all of them. But it's not just that. Obey your leaders and submit to them. How, how you, how, obey your elders. You know, obey your... Well, I don't have any. You know, I don't, I don't have any. Um, how do you do that? Most spiritual gifts cannot be exercised outside the context of a body of believers. But as we see from Hebrews 10, there have always been, from the very beginning, it's, it, there have always been Christians who have taken a, a hyper-individualized, hyper-privatized view of the Christian life as if it can all happen in a church of four, the believer, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the only church I need. <laughs> in some cases, it's the only one they're willing to join. Kind of the opposite of Groucho Marx, you know. He said he would never, he would never belong to an organization that would accept him as a member. <laughs> now, I, I, I want to say this: the modern church bears responsibility for part of that. Uh, they, the church bears responsibility for people who have taken kind of a take it or leave it approach, because it has chosen to market itself as a many cases, a provider of spiritual goods and services to religious customers instead of a holy creation of God, <laughs> instead of something holy in and of itself, uh, something more than the sum of its parts, a, a temple of the Holy Spirit, spiritual stones being spilt up into a spiritual house. So, you know, taking kind of a business model, maybe it shouldn't surprise us that Christians actually relate to the church as a provider of spiritual goods and services that, that could be obtained in many other ways. Online sermons and good books and various things. But what you, but you do miss something. You do miss something if that's the way you go. You miss the fullness of Christian life with all its joys, its challenges, shared hardships, shared advantages, you miss the familiness of the family of God. It's it's a very common thing that puts a that cuts the Christian life in maybe in half and says, "I'm going to do this half, not the other half." But you're here. You're here. You're good. <laughs> very common, though. Third thing. Christians don't want to do to get the life they want is uh, hang on to your wallet make a financial commitment to the Lord it's, uh, it's often noted and, it, and it's absolutely true that Jesus had more to say about money in the gospels than he did about heaven and hell and the, and the question is why why does he talk about money so much now Think of Jesus, think of the Gospels. We won't try to learn, turn to it and justify it, but you know this is true. He certainly was not in it for the money. He didn't talk about money all the time because they're always taking an offering and they're building an empire. They're building a new building and they're doing this. That's certainly not. 
No sequined suits, right? No private airplanes. Jesus doesn't seem to be all that careful about his money even. Look who they had in charge of the treasury. He's not in it for the money. So why does he talk about money all, you know, why, why is it true that he says more about money than he does about heaven and hell? Because it's not because his concern with money, it's because he knows, God knows, that it's money is such a barometer for the rest of us. The checkbook ledger tells the truth about what's important to us. He said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So you want to train your heart to care about the things of God more? Send some money there. You'll start caring. <laughs> You'll care more. I promise. And, and of course, it is just like with Jesus, it's well, not just like with Jesus. I wouldn't say that, go that far. But I'm, this is not a pitch for money for the church. That's not what this, what I'm saying is that's not what it's about. I think I can honestly say like Paul said to the church at Philippi in the matter of a financial gift, he says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. And in, and in fact, that's why I, I, I chose this word carefully. I said, what's lacking in many Christians' lives is a financial commitment to the Lord. I didn't say the church. I didn't say to the church. To the Lord. The church is not necessarily the sole depository of your giving to the Lord. Uh, Robin and I support works of the Lord beyond that have nothing to do with Faith Bible Fellowship. Some of that money comes through the church, but some of it doesn't. And we don't begrudge that. We don't begrudge when you do that either. We counted an at the church. We counted an honor, not a right, that, that you may entrust um, whatever portion you're giving to the Lord goes through the church, and that's the way we think of it. And I, I'll say to the Lord, to the Lord, I'll say this: this is this might be radical. Giving to people in need directly as part of your giving to the Lord when there's no 501c3 corporation in between that can give you a tax deduction is giving to the Lord. The Bible says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. So this is, this is not a roundabout way to boost the offering. It's not what it's about. But some Christians over the years, I know this is true, I'll say, I want to say, interrupt myself. The history of our church is not so much like that. You know, it's not like there's two or three people pulling the wagon and everyone else is riding. No, that's not the way it's been. But there are, there, there are I've known many, many Christians who set that apart as something that's not, you know, that's not, uh, that's not part of it for us or for me or for us. Uh, they, they, sometimes they think they've, well, that's not my gift, the gift of giving. Well, that, that doesn't, that's no argument. You might not have the gift of mercy either. You're supposed to be merciful. We're supposed to be hospitable to one another. 
Uh, only some have the gift of hospitality. You might not have a spiritual gift of faith. That's one of the spiritual gifts. But we're all supposed If you don't have faith, you're not a Christian at all. Besides, don't you discover spiritual gifts by trying it out, doing it? <laughs> See if God uses it in an extraordinary way? That's why I know. That's why I don't never told people to give till it hurts, because it hurts. I know it hurts people. Some people just to think about it. <laughs> More often, you know, most people don't say it's not my gift. They say, "Well, it's just we just can't afford it right now," or "We just can't afford it this year," or "We just can't afford it this stage of life," and we got a mortgage and kids need shoes or. Or, we, or the kids say, well, that's, not, that's for parents. That's not for the kids. That's, not, that's for the parents. That's for mom and dad and all. And, or it's for, you know, that's for well-off folks. It's not for poor folks like me. Maybe later. Or, or I contribute in other ways. I contribute in other ways. That's, I count that. But, you know, I do this service. I figure that's worth a certain amount. Uh, I contribute in other ways. Those are little fibs we tell ourselves. <laughs> uh, but they, they don't wash because notice I haven't said one thing about amount, about how much. The question of amount, it's worth thinking about, worth talking about, but let's see, leave it aside today. I'm talking about the Christian who when it comes to giving stops at nothing. You'll, you'll train your soul you, you'll go to another uh, level and depth of your relationship with God through faith in Christ when you put a five or a ten if you've not if you don't do it put a five or a ten or a twenty in in the box and you give it away you you, you stretch your faith in ways that you've not anticipated. It, it's, uh, well, here, here's a test. Do you believe that God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus? Well, it sounds like a Bible verse. You better say yes, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it is a Bible verse. Philippians 4.19. So if you say, here's the promise. Do you believe it? that God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If you say you can't afford to give anything, you don't believe that verse. You don't believe it. In fact, you don't think the Lord is quite getting it done right now. He's not meeting every night because when the money's gone, I still have needs. I don't have a nickel, I don't have a dime, I don't have a dollar, I don't have a five or a ten or a twenty or a fifty to give a, just give away. Giving makes your, here's why it's important, giving makes your trust in God's provision real to you, and I'll say something that's probably more important, I think it is more important, it makes it real to God. <laughs> your trust in His provision. In terms of uh, living the Christian life in its fullness, well, let me, let me I'll say this, I, even though it might take a little time. 
Remember Old Testament giving of first fruits, first fruits, first part of the harvest. You bring the first part of the harvest, you present it to the Lord, and it's, your, it's the symbol of your trust that the rest of the harvest is going to come in. What if a locust plague comes? What, what, if, the, you know, what if something terrible, weather disaster happens? What, don't you think that there are people think, wouldn't it be better to wait till the end of this harvest, see how it turned out, and then we'll know how much we can give? That, but that's not how this life works. Th- then or now. Uh, in terms of living the Christian life in its fullness, you, l- you leave something on the table. You put a ceiling on it that ought not be there uh, when you withhold giving to the Lord a portion of what He's given to you. It's very common. Very common. But it's, if that's you, it needs to be, you need to break through. I didn't say anything. I didn't. We're not, we haven't talked to Mount. Something. Get started. Fourth thing. Let me see if I can do these two. The minutes are left. The fourth thing Christians don't want to do to get the life they want is is uh, being bold in their witness. Being bold in their way. I'm not talking about being obnoxious. You know, you're not obnoxious enough. <laughs> you're not boorish enough. You're not clumsy enough. I, I, I am. I am not talking about being the kind of person that other people avoid at all costs. Duck behind because oh no. You know, that's not how non-religious people responded to Jesus, is it? Oh no, there he is uh, again with the kingdom of God. Duck behind something, get away. That's not how they did. I'm talking uh, about the essentially secret Christian who hardly ever lets on that he has a personal relationship with Jesus and he wants others to have it too, and he never lets on that there's salvation and no other name. (laughs) I, I'm, I'm talking about those Christians who, who kind of apparently have taken a vow of silence when it comes to sharing the gospel. Years ago, one Christian leader said that America's fastest growing cult was not Jehovah's Witnesses, but, but Jehovah's bystanders. <laughs> Too many of them. <laughs> I, I, I really don't care for the inspirational quote that's attributed to St. Francis of a CC that preached the gospel. You ever hear this? Preach the gospel at all times and when necessary use words. You know, there's good reason to think that quote is bogus, by the way, that he never said it. Uh, the earliest printed attribution of that quote to St. Francis, you know what it is? 1990 in a book by Chuck Swindoll. 1990. And in the book he said, he reportedly said... <laughs> So whether, it, whether it's uh, authentic or not, the grain of truth in it, the grain of truth in it is that our deeds, our manner of life should not contradict the, the gospel we advocate with our words. But what I dislike about the quote is that it gives cover to those who never share the good news of eternal life through faith in Jesus with their words. I haven't heard it in many years, but I used to run in Christians to say, I let my life do the talking. 
Your life don't talk. <laughs> you know, they're never, your neighbor's never, ever going to know why you're such a nice person. <laughs> if you don't tell them why you're the way you are instead of the way you would have been. Apart from Christ. And it's very common. You know, this. it's common for Christians who love their devotional times with the Lord or they love the fellowship of the church. They give generously. They give freely. But they clam up tight when they're, you know, when it comes to sharing the gospel, telling someone. It's, it's a pretty big problem for the person who has it. Simple obedience. You shall be my witnesses. Acts 8, 1. Uh, 1, 8, rather. Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. God has entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5. He's entrusted to us the rec- ministry of reconciliation. Uh, some of them kind of sobering. Jesus, for whoever is ashamed of me and, my, and of my words of him, Will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels? Red letters, that's sobering. <laughs> well, if this is your obstacle, if this is it, if this is one of the things that, you know, yeah, that's a, that's a problem. It, it does put a ceiling on in terms of your relationship with the Lord. Let me give you a, a couple of strategies just to, to help, help you. First, out yourself as a Christian somehow right away when you meet someone new. And not artificially, not awkwardly, but soon. Probably not, hi, I'm Chris, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ through, you know, I'm a follower <laughs> of Jesus Christ through faith in him. Probably not that they back out of the room, right? Okay. <laughs> but so I'm not, not awkwardly, not clumsily, but but, uh, but near the beginning, because the longer you wait, the harder it is. The harder it becomes. You know, so break that sound barrier by mentioning in passing when you became a Christian or how the Lord has been good to you lately. Uh, say the name of Jesus in a positive and personal context. It, it's become habitual for me to mention something about uh, early how I came to Christ, when I came to Christ, or that was before I became a Christian, or since I've become a Christian. You know, just mention that, and I, and I throw it in there like it's a normal thing, like saying I'm from Ohio. or I, just say, it, I say it like I'm not trying to redirect the conversation, even though I'd welcome a redirection if it presents itself. But, the, but they notice. They pick up on it. And I bowed myself. And, and this, is a, this is a huge step, huge step in uh, living as a Christian in the world to let the world know who you are. And this leads to lots of, it does lead to witness opportunities, you know, that, that uh, are maybe hard to come by apart from it. Uh, the, the second thing I would ask you to do, or t- just to, I can encourage you to do is to uh, pray for opportunities to share your faith. Pray for them. Uh, before you w- walk out the door in the morning, pray that God would lead you to people, lead people to you 
who his spirit has been priming for someone to tell them the gospel. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel. Uh, don't think that to be obedient in this area, you've got to knock on somebody's door, a stranger, and so when they open the door, say, what think ye of Christ? <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean. It's, he's afraid he's got to do something weird and strange. Ask God to give you opportunities and pray for the boldness to walk through when that opportunity comes. That's a, I'm I've been in the habit, I've been out of the habit s several times. It's a prayer God loves to answer. <laughs> he does all the time. So, you know, you don't have to say, I'm going to go knock on doors, I'm going to go, you know, that neighbor, I'm going to approach him, I'm giving it to him today. I, you know, it's, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Well, last thing, I got like two minutes. I have no shot at getting done in two minutes. But, I, but, but, it's, uh, but let, me, let me finish. Fifth thing that Christians don't want to do to really get the life they want is maintaining a war footing against personal sin. Um, notice I didn't say something like be victor be completely victorious over personal sin i didn't say that i said maintaining a war footing against personal sin to, to come to christ is to enter on a lifelong war against personal sin that will not be ultimately will not be completely overcome won't be victorious until the flesh in which the sin still has leverage, dies. Who, Paul, who will free me from the body of this death after a chapter of talking about this struggle that he, that he loses as often as he wins against sin? Who will free me from the body of this death? It's a, it's a wearying battle, and it's a lifelong one, but the battle you must be engaged it, it must be fought uh, to the end and some faiths you know i say these other things they kind of put a ceiling on on your what the christian life is you know because of this obstacle it's giving or church or devotion you know the time with the lord this some faiths suffer suffer shipwreck because they suppose it should have been easier than this i shouldn't have had to fight this all the time i'm just gonna you know what? I'm tired. I'm just going to give in. It's just the way I am. More, more commonly, Christians just make some sort of truce with personal sin. Some sort of negotiated settlement. They, the, the flesh agrees to uh, that secret sin takes place in some boundaries. You know, usually privacy. Won't get out. <laughs> I want the church fighting out. You know, it's, it takes place in here. <laughs> And, you know, it's free, you give it free reign as long as it stays within its bounds. And you say, you know, this, it's not as if I did this other thing that was worse, or, it's, or uh, I deserve this luxury of the flesh, or that's just the way. These are ways of withdrawing from the fight. And by the way, in those negotiated settlements with the faith, it, the, the flesh is all, with the, with the flesh, the flesh is a liar. It's not going to obey, it's not going to keep its side of the agreement. <laughs> When it has a chance, 
So anticipating the end of his life, the Apostle Paul said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Fighting the good fight. Do you think that that fighting the good fight was always about things outside himself? You know, the Jews are after him, and the Roman authorities are after him, and the, you know, the devil's after him, and there's heretics, and they're false teachers. You think it was all outside himself? I don't think so. I think his fighting the good fight includes that, those things. But it's the inner struggle, too. He, Roman, you know, he writes about it. He writes about it. Not just Romans 7 that we've uh, seen, but this. Not that I have already obtained this, this is Philippians 3, or already become perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus had made, has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of, who, those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think, in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also. Only let us hold true to what we've attained. So what's the example and what's his counsel? Don't rest on your past laurels, your past victories. Don't obsess over your past defeats or even present, de <laughs> present defeats. Everybody has victories. Everybody suffers defeats. Every Christian you know, ever have known, ever will known is engaged in a struggle against the remains of sin. Every person you know who's still with us, who's in Christ but he's still with us, is being sanctified. He's not there yet. Not completely. And so the, the important thing is not that you can say, I, I've won Finally, fully, completely. You won't. You won't. Completely. Fully. Not in these bodies of flesh. But here's what's important. That you stay in the battle. That you strain forward to what lies ahead. That, which is the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And really, that's the answer to each of these five. You know, not just this last one, but the but all of them. They're so typical. I, they're, you know, there are people, I'm, I'm hitting on things on some people that I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I am, but these things are so common, so typical. It, it's got to be, it's got to hit home <laughs> with pe people even here in this little room. Pursue a devotional Life with the Lord, that's you and Jesus, you and the Lord, that feeds your soul. Your, your soul won't be fed apart from that. Uh, be a part of the church, a part of the life of the church. It's, there's, you're, you're, you're leaving something on the table if, if that's not a part of it. A give of the resources God has given. It's, you know, get, get skin in the game. It, it, it's, uh, you're, it has to do, it's not just about somebody getting money or not getting money. It's part of, it, it exhibits a real trust in the Lord to do that. Pray for opportunities to speak the gospel. Pray for 
boldness. That's the full, the full orbed Christian life. Can't, it can't be experienced apart from that. And fight, fight against those besetting sins. I know you win sometimes. I know you lose sometimes. But the important thing is to keep fighting. Keep, stay in there. Fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. They're breakthroughs, right? We might we might not all have the same ones, but there are those are ceilings we've put on ourselves. They don't need to be there. They don't need to be there. Press on. Forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. Press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, you know our hearts, you know our lives. Uh, cause us, each of us, to know our own hearts and our own lives in the light of your will for all of our lives. Uh, your word says this is the will of God, our sanctification. May your will be our will. And if we've heard something today that speaks to us, that speaks to our lives as they are, if we've recognized the, a ditch or two that we've been stuck in for too long, grant us grace to confess, to repent, to re-engage in the battle against the remains of sin. Uh, may our leaving this place today be a going forward toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let any who are outside of Christ with no hope of overcoming sin and death here or hereafter embrace Christ today and live now and forever abundantly. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.